You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. Welcome back to another episode of the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul, and I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I'm still just floored by that opening song. <laughs> oh my gosh. A semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal of action. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can't ask for anything more. <laughs> <laughs> the planet can get hit by a meteor now. It's okay. I've, I've, I've laughed enough. <laughs> there was nothing else I could have started the show with that oh, was better than that's that. That's amazing. Thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> today we are talking about uh, the platypus. <laughs> A semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal of action. That's what we're talking about. (laughs) The platypus. Today's animal was suggested by three separate people. Curtis, the boyfriend. That's the boyfriend. Gary and Maya. So thanks for the request, guys. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be an entertaining show, so prepare to be informed. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, No platypuses in the news today, but we had this wonderful story about dragonflies. Female dragonflies fake sudden death to avoid male advances. (laughs) Female dragonflies use an extreme tactic to get rid of unwanted suitors. They drop out of the sky and pretend to be dead. Nice. Yeah. A researcher from the University of Zurich in Switzerland witnessed the behavior for the first time in the Moorland Hawker dragonfly. While collecting their larvae in the Swiss Alps, he watched a female crash dive to the ground while being pursued by a male. The female lay motionless on her back, her suitor soon flew away, and the female took off once the coast was clear. (laughs) This researcher had been studying dragonflies for 10 years and had never previously seen this behavior. Female moorland hawkers are vulnerable to harassment when they lay their eggs because, unlike some other dragonflies, they aren't guarded by their male mates. The researcher found that the females often retreat to dense vegetation near ponds, probably to hide, and then when they emerge, they often act very dramatically. 
and he observed 27 female dragonflies crash land and play dead to avoid aggressive males. <laughs> I think there's something to be learned here. Yeah, that's a really amazing. It is, and I think people can learn from this. I think single people and even married people who from time to time experience some unwanted advances from other people, I mean, that happens, right? Yeah. So rather than just fall down and play dead because that's kind of a bad strategy, maybe why not just pretend like you're dying in the most dramatic way possible? I agree. While it's going on. Well, I think it's a great strategy for that dragonfly, obviously. I actually pulled a sound clip because I think that people should learn, like, those really dramatic Shakespeare death monologues and just do those when they're being approached by somebody that they don't want to be approached by. <laughs> like, this is this is from Anthony and Cleopatra. Like, this is from back in the, oh, in the 70s here. Here we go. Here is a rural fellow that will not be denied your highness' presence. He brings you figs. Let him come in. <laughs> what poor an instrument may do a noble deed. He brings me liberty, my resolutions placed, and I have nothing of woman in me. Now from head to foot I am marble constant. Now the fleeting moon, no planet is of mine. Yeah, do that. Yeah, that'll, <laughs> that'll get their attention. <laughs> or is this a dagger I see before me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you pick up a butter knife, you know. <laughs> or a cocktail stirrer, you know. <laughs> Oh, how silly. What a great idea. All these women, they just keep dying on me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> Little dragonflies, like, sniffing their armpits and checking their breath. <laughs> Eating little dragonfly altoids. Yeah, and complaining to his, his dragonfly bros that he's a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they always like bad boys. Why don't they like the nice guys? I'm totally nice. Yeah, you're not nice. <laughs> That's why they don't like you, because you're not actually nice. Hello. <laughs> Doing that thing where you take your hand and you put it up to your face, like you're smelling your own breath, but really all you're doing is smelling your hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's what I picture those little dragonflies doing. Like, well, what's wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, just a reminder to go to blazingcariboustudios.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at at varmintspodcast, all one word. And at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a nice little rating and review. And let's learn about some platypie. No, platypuses. Platypuses, not platypie. The kingdom of animals is fascinating. Now I'm going to tell you about their behavior and living pattern. So come on. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? We are blathering about the platypus today, sometimes referred to, rather formally, I think, as the duck-billed platypus, but usually people just call him platypus. A semi-aquatic egg-laying mammal native to eastern Australia, including Tasmania. 
together with the four species of echidna. It is one of these five species of monotremes in the world, which are the only mammals that lay eggs instead of giving live birth. The platypus is the sole living representative of its family and genus, although a number of related species have been found in the fossil record, but the platypus is the only one still alive. The unique features of the platypus make it an important subject in the study of evolutionary biology, and it's a recognizable and iconic symbol of Australia where it is native to eastern Australia and Tasmania, as I mentioned. The animal is best described as a hodgepodge of more familiar species. It has a bill, sort of like a duck, and webbed feet, the tail of a beaver, and the body and fur of an otter. The name platypus is a Latinization of a Greek word, platypus, which means flat-footed. There is no universally agreed upon plural of platypus in the English language. Scientists generally use platypuses or just simply platypus. Commonly, the term platypi is used for the plural, although this is technically incorrect because it's not a Latin word. It's a Greek word, so the correct Greek plural would be platypodes. And Oh! Yeah, platypodes. It just hasn't taken off yet. I like platypodes. I do too. Let's workshop it. Let's get that spread around a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. We'll we'll totally put it in the show notes. Platypodes, people, <laughs> get with it. They also can't agree on what to call male, female, and baby platypuses. They're all just platypuses. We need to come up with a name for baby platypuses. Platypites. Platyp- <laughs> plat- <laughs> platypites. Platypites. And so it shall be. Platypippins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have a little sound clip. Platypuses actually make noise, as you heard. <laughs> All the ladies swoon. <laughs> <laughs> All the ladies swoon when they hear this. That's actually a platypus. That's really cute. Isn't it? What an awesome little sound. I think so, too. Yeah, platypuses are neat. neat. Platypodes are very cool. Platypodes. Platypodes are nifty. So guess what, Paul? Did you know that platypodes have no stomach? What? Yeah, they have no stomach. There's other species of animal that also don't have a stomach, but this is one of them. (laughs) That is crazy. Sometimes a species evolves by losing traits that they don't need rather than gaining new ones, right? Okay. So we can see this in instances like the flightless wings of the kiwi or emu, that kind of thing. A whale's vestigial uh, hip bones that it keeps, (laughs) that kind of stuff. (laughs) Like, you don't need hip bones anymore. Yeah, but eh. (laughs) (laughs) You know, doesn't matter. It's fine. I don't have legs. That's the important part, right? So so the platypus didn't just lose a limb or something. It has forgone the use of an organ that most species would absolutely need. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> their food just basically goes from their esophagus straight into their small intestine. And the stomach, which is a large sack of acids and enzymes, is missing. Of course, it doesn't seem to hurt them any. They seem to manage just fine without it. And uh, why have they lost it? It turns out that nearly all the genes responsible for making a stomach and uh, uh, have been disabled. But they still have them. No way, dude. So 
It's sort of interesting. I know we were talking about goldfish on one show. Well, the whole goldfish are part of the carp family, and they don't have stomachs either. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. That's... So it's one of those things that's just weird in nature. Nature weirds occasionally, and this is one of the things that's weird. So no stomach platypodes, but they don't need it. They're good. They fill that stomach with a lot of food. Yeah, they they eat a lot. Platypuses are carnivores. All their prey lives in the water. But when the platypus is submerged in water, its eyes, ears, and nose are all shut tightly. So that makes you wonder, how do platypuses, platypodes find their food? And the answer is electrolocation. Now, all animals produce electric fields due to the activity of their nerves and muscles. And that includes the crustaceans, worms, and insects, and very small fish that the platypodes feed on. And you can't turn that off. So maybe right now you're listening to this podcast in your bed or on your couch, and you might feel like you're very relaxed and very still right now. But actually, all your muscles and your nerves are very, very hard at work keeping you that way, even though you might feel relaxed and you might not realize it. And right now, you're producing a very, very weak but perceptible electrical field. So fortunately, platypuses have adapted to have several rows of the most sensitive electroreceptors in the animal kingdom right there on the top of their bills, along with a field of mechanoreceptors, which are sensitive to water movement and touch. We're going to put a short video of a platypus swimming underwater in the show notes. And when you watch the video, you're going to see it moving its head back and forth very, very, very quickly. Like, it's, it almost looks like it's confused. Like, oh my god, what am I doing down here? Where am I going? What am I doing? What am I doing? But what it's doing is it's scanning the water with its bill for movement and for those very electrical fields that it can sense. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. The platypus can determine the direction of the prey by comparing differences in electrical signal strength across its bill. And it can judge the distance by the mechanoreceptors. So it's constantly moving its head very, very quickly back and forth to find out where the food is. And they can kind of form a mental image in their brain of where things are located. And scientists, sometimes when they're studying platypuses, they will drop little batteries, like little hearing aid batteries in the tank, and really, like, hide them under rocks and stuff. And the platypuses can find those and attack them. Wow. Yep. They have to work really fast because they can only stay submerged for about 30 seconds, and then they come up for air, and they need about 10 to 20 seconds to recover. So since they eat a a large percentage of their body weight every day... They're really busy. They spend up to 12 hours a day just feeding themselves on all those little critters and their electrical fields in the water. It's pretty cool. Wow. Yeah. They're amazing animals. They are really cool. I like them. Platypodes! And we didn't even go into all the really cool adaptations they have, like being one of the few mammals that lay eggs and also lactate so that they can feed their young. We didn't touch on that. No, we didn't. And But did you know they don't even have nipples? They don't have teats. What? Nope, they don't. They just express the milk through the skin and the babies lap it up. Oh, my. What? Uh, 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 okay. Yeah. No way, dude. That's how they do. Wow. That's how you do if you're a mama platypus. <laughs> platypus. Platypus. <laughs> Mama platypodes, that's how they roll. That's so, awesome. They're like, I don't have time for that. Here, kids, just eat. Hurry, quick. 
They're amazing. They have a lot of interesting things going on. They really do. Yeah. All right. Well, it's disclaimer time. The Varmints podcast knows that it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then we only really have the yardstick of ourselves to go by, so we're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So what's going on and up in those little uh, platypode brains? I don't know. I can't tell. I wasn't able to find a whole lot um, about platypode intelligence, platypus intelligence. I suppose they're probably five or six. That's what I figure, too. They seem pretty good at figuring out electromechanical kind of puzzles, right? Yeah. I found a website for a place in Tasmania called Platypus House. Mm-hmm. And the little blurb on their website says, Platypuses learn quickly. Their intelligence has been compared favorably with that of cats and rats. You will be able to observe this learning ability for yourselves during your tour as our echidnas come over to be fed by their keepers on having their names called. Which, um, they're not really citing any, you know, science or research there, so it's kind of like their opinion, man. Yeah, that, that's okay. Like, I don't, think a, I don't think a zoo is typically going to go, yeah, our animals here are really dumb. But come watch them anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe depends on the zookeeper. I don't know, but uh, maybe. But if they're calling, if they're coming when you call them by their names, which how can you really tell them apart? Yeah, maybe a five or a six. There's probably a little difference that the zookeeper can tell if they're around them a lot, right? So, I mean, the zookeeper at our zoo that takes care of some of our little penguins, he can tell the little penguins apart, and I couldn't. Not in a million years. And he's like, no, nah, that's Herb, and that's Bob, and that's Susie, and that's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> if you work with them every day, you might be able to, to distinguish differences in size or demeanor or color. Like, I know at our zoo, too, we have alligators, big alligator pond, and um, there's 15 or 20 alligators in there, and they have a feeding every day, and all those alligators have names as well. Right. And I don't know how they tell them apart. And the zookeeper's like, well, that one has really big eyebrow ridges and his name is steve or whatever (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yep they probably can yeah i think i'm gonna give i think i'm gonna give the little platypodes let's give them a five or six i think they're kind of probably right in the middle fair enough they have some built-in really smarty pants stuff but it's hard (laughs) to tell if that's active intelligence or just you know Smarty yep. pants on board. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to talk about platypodes and pop culture and other things too. But first, this commercial. The shot. He scores! Hey guys, I'm Drew Pavsky. And I'm Jeff. And Doyle. And every week, we're talking Flyers hockey, big NHL news, and anything else we feel like. That's right. So grab a beer, hide your family, and listen in as we hang out with our friends, talk about the game, and you can join in on the fun. We're on iTunes, so make sure you subscribe. We're on Stitcher. We're on Wildfire Radio. And, of course, you can find everything about us on BroadStreetBully.net. You uh, got a little wordy there, buddy. Shut up, Jeff. Guys, I'm here. Shut, Shut up, up, Doyle. And now for something completely different. Hey, you know, me and Donna, we're just a couple of nerds like you, and we don't see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk a little bit about where we see them most of the time on movies, TV, and video games. And I'm going to start with Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood because there was a little puppet platypus family in that show. They were uh, the citizens of the neighborhood of make-believe. 
The Neighborhood of Make-Believe was a short segment that happened one time in the middle of almost every episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Uh, Mr. Rogers, he deliberately makes the clear distinction between the real world and the Neighborhood of Make-Believe in every episode, and he does that by transitioning in and out of the Neighborhood segment with a little red and yellow model electric trolley that enters and exits through small tunnels in the wall. And also, Mr. Rogers will discuss what had happened with his audience after the end of each segment, because the same storyline continues for a week or more. It's kind of like a little soap opera for kids, which I didn't realize when I was a little kid. I was watching this continuing little storyline through every episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's pretty cool. So yeah, and then, and then after the segment, Mr. Rogers is always sure to recap the plot for the children. And this is uh, generally how that segment starts. Let's have some make-believe. <laughs> Come on, trolley. You know, last time we pretended that everyone in the neighborhood of make-believe was thinking about Anna Platypus's birthday, which is coming soon. Why don't we pretend some more about that now? In fact, we could make-believe that Anna wants a pet for her birthday. What kind of pet do you suppose she might want? Well, we'll just think about that now. In the neighborhood of make-believe. And so the platypus family in the neighborhood of make-believe are duck-billed platypuses who live in a little platypus mound the family consists of Dr. Bill Platypus, his wife Elsie Jean, and as you heard, their daughter Anna Platypus. Uh, another fun fact about the little puppets in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood: Anna Platypus and Prince Tuesday were the only platypus or the only puppets to age during the series. So as the series continued, they got older, which was pretty cool. All the other puppets stayed the same, and Lady Elaine Fairchild is the most terrifying puppet in the history of ever. <laughs> Well, I was just sitting there listening, and I was think I was just like transformed into a four-year-old again. I loved that show when I was a kid. I don't know what kids are watching now, but for me, it was Sesame Street, Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, The Electric Company, maybe Romper Room. To Captain some extent, Kangaroo. But... Oh, Captain Kangaroo, of course. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So Mister Rogers was a big hit in our household for sure. And I remember even after my sister got bigger and we'd watch it together, so that was great. I liked yeah. the platypodes family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's just not a heck of a lot of platypuses in pop culture, although I missed out completely on whoever this Agent P is. I definitely need to get to know him. Uh, that was Perry the Platypus from Phineas and Ferb. I... I have never heard of that character, so I've <laughs> now got to do some deeper research. But what I found was this very interesting thing, and in our listeners in Canada and maybe elsewhere that they speak French, please forgive me if I don't pronounce these things particularly well. I'm going to try very hard to do it properly. <laughs> so I found this cartoon called Ovid and the Gang. In French, it's La Banda Ovide. I think that's how you pronounce it. 
Um, it is a 1980s animated TV show produced by the Canadian animation studio Cinegroup, which I tried and failed to pronounce correctly, who also produced Mega Babies, Sharky and George, and The Little Flying Bears. I have no idea what these shows are, but wow. I'm assuming that people in Canada will probably know. So they did these shows in association with <laughs> Belgium's Odec Kid Cartoons. It ran on Société Radio-Canada from 1987 to 1988, and it also goes by the names Ovid Video and Ovid's Video Show. The series gained popularity in the United Kingdom when it was broadcast on the Children's BBC service in 1988 and 1989 in a Friday afternoon slot. And in, while it was in the U.S., it was aired on Nick Jr. in 1992 and 97. Oh, wow. Okay. The characters were created and designed by an animator called Bernard Gaudi in cooperation with Belgian comics artist and animator Nick Broca, who had previously designed the Snorks for SEPP. Oh, I remember the Snorks. I don't remember any of it. So I got all of this stuff from the Wikipedia article, so you should go there and check it out. They have all the characters from the show listed and all the episodes listed and a link to Cinegroup. There's, I guess, versions in French, and you can see them with subtitles or you can see them in English. There's a few that are on YouTube that you can look at and... Yeah, it's interesting. So Ovid is the platypus, and it's just a little show about him and his buddies, and it's pretty cute. Cool. Here's the theme song. Join us on this South Sea Isle. The gang's all here to swing in style. Saffron's cooking up a roast, and Ovid videos your host. Look outside. Look out, Bobo. Party crashing's a no-no. I'll catch that sneaky snake. Cries right Tough luck, son. He's super sly. But Groner knows no smarty can ruin Ovid's party. The joint is hopping. Come on, let's drop in for more tall tales of Ovid video. The gang's all here. Let's get on with the show. And now tall tales of Ovid video. That and the commercial we just played are the two most Canadian things I've heard all day. That is awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. It's a cute little cartoon. They've got Ovid, who is a duck-billed platypus, and they've got his cousin Saffron, also a platypus. He's a cook and a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> All the shows that I was able to watch had a lot of Saffron in it. So, um, But there are these other characters, which are really cute. Dore and me, they are protagonist koalas. They're always on oh. twigs or on the couch. And they are so funny. They're so That cute. sounds absolutely delightful. Doe wears headphones hearing uh, he hears music. Ray wears sunglasses. And me almost always covers his mouth and sometimes hiccups. So it's this <laughs> see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a riff on that. And then they just they have a lot of Neat. really cute, adorable characters. And it looks like it was a ton of fun. So. Cool. Yeah, congratulations, uh, Canadians, Belgians, and uh, British people. <laughs> this was your awesome show, if you were that age. <laughs> well done, Japan. Yes, you too, Japan. <laughs> I like to eat! Oh my gosh, I like to eat too. We're not eating platypuses, though, are we? Mm -mm. 
Nah, I, I don't. I don't think I could. Oh no. No. They don't, they don't, they're not in my food box either. I, again, I have a big food box with you a lot do. of animals really in it. You I'm really shocked that they're not in there. No, I wouldn't, no. I, and, I, and I can't even really put my finger on why. That's but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> not in the food box, not this week. Hey, Donna. Yes? Is your brain a vast wasteland of useless information like mine is? Um, not today, but usually. <laughs> Well, let's help everybody win that next trivia night or just sound smarter than the rest of the room with the animal fact of the week. My fact of the week is that when British scientists first laid eyes on the platypus in the late 18th century, some of them thought the specimen sent back from Australia must be a hoax. The English zoologist George Shaw wrote in 1799, it naturally excites the idea of some deceptive preparation by artificial means. There was an anatomist also called Robert Knox, and uh, in 1823, he said that the skepticism of the platypus came from an already existing skepticism of eastern countries, mainly China, because that is the path that the early platypus samples took on their way back to England. And Robert Knox said, and I quote, they reached England by vessels which had navigated the Indian seas, a circumstance in itself sufficient to rouse the suspicions of the scientific naturalist, aware of the monstrous impostures with which the artful Chinese had so frequently practiced on European adventures. In short, the scientific felt inclined to class this rare production of nature with eastern mermaids and other works of art, but these conjectures were immediately dispelled by an appeal to anatomy. And close quote. So basically what he was saying was that um, the Chinese were doing some rogue taxidermy, which is actually a thing. That's what it's called when you take mm -hmm. two animals and taxidermy them together. Rogue taxidermy. If you've ever seen a stuffed jackalope, that is rogue taxidermy. <laughs> Ta -da -da -da. Ta -da -da. <laughs> so unfortunately... <laughs> I just, I'm thinking of the um, <laughs> detective whose job it is to catch the rogue taxidermist. <laughs> you know? Yep. So back in the 18th century, unfortunately, right around the same time that they discovered platypuses was the time that Chinese sailors were accused of, like, selling weird stuff to the English and passing it off as something else. Mm -hmm. And George Shaw, who we mentioned earlier, the first time he got a platypus sample, he literally cut into it with scissors because he wanted to find the stuffing or the stitches or whatever it was that was holding this obviously fake thing together. Right. No, they found out it was a real animal. Just because it doesn't exist in your immediate vicinity Sorry. doesn't mean it's not a real animal. Crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that male platypodes have a little venom spike on their foot? I did. I read about that. Yeah. Well, it turns out they, biologists aren't super, uh, sure what this is used for. <laughs> <laughs> they might be using it in fights over territory or access to females, which would explain why only the males have the venom and only during the breeding season. So, okay. Yeah, because they only have it during the, the breeding season. So someone once found in a net two males that had been fighting and one had temporary paralysis 
Disabling a competitor would be a big advantage, but nobody knows for sure because platypodes are so difficult to study in the wild. It's also unknown how a platypus survives getting injected with a venom that can kill dogs and other animals. <laughs> oh, it can kill dogs? Yeah. And it other animals? It could, yeah. Mm -hmm. I read that if a human got hit by the by that little spike that it would cause like severe pain yeah, that not it, even opioids can knock out. Yep. <laughs> which is but that's pretty bad pain. But I didn't know it could kill other animals with that thing. It certainly could. Uh, I don't think it's particularly common, but there are so many platypus questions that are just not answered. So, it, it, but uh, yeah, they don't, they're not really sure what they're using the venom for. So, I mean, we don't know. They have it, but they don't know for sure. They're just guessing at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting. Still cool. a mystery, this little animal. Hey, have you ever seen that little picture of the baby platypuses with the fedoras on them? No, what? For some reason, there is a Photoshop sort of trend to Photoshop hats onto platypuses. <laughs> Just why? I don't know, because it's a fun what? thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Internet, you're such a wonderful and absurd place. <laughs> so weird. If you haven't seen baby platypuses in fedoras, you haven't lived. That's, that is a hilarious picture. Oh my goodness, we will, we'll have to put that in the show notes. Maybe it's because of Perry the Platypus, because Perry the Platypus always wears a little brown fedora. Oh, maybe that's why, yeah. So maybe they're taking little, photoshopping little brown fedoras onto real platypuses as a little tribute to Perry the Platypus. To Agent P. Agent P. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's super awesome. cool. So much fun. Hey, the Varmints Podcast is brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, and music, as always, is by Kevin McLeod. Thanks, guys. And on this week's Rugrat Corner, we have Grayson. Grayson has something to say about platypuses or platypodes. Hi. You talk about platypuses? They swim in the water. They do swim in the water. You're right. In the green water. In the green water? What does a platypus look like? He swims. Does he have a bill like a duck? Yeah. Does it have a t what's the tail look like? This is it like a beaver's tail? They fly. No, they don't fly. Are the platypuses cute? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to pet one? Yeah. Yeah. Can we have one for a pet? Yeah, we have wicked scratches on. It scratches tummy. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they close the eggs in. Yeah, and then what? Done. You're all done? Yeah. Okay. Say bye, Paul and Donna. Bye, Paul and Donna. Thanks, Grayson. We're almost done, too. Thank you, Grayson. <laughs> and thank you to Katie, Grayson's mom. Katie Telmo is one of the hosts of 8-Bit Avenue, which is a video, uh, a video, a podcast about video games that you can find here on Blazing Caribou Studios, along with a bunch of other really great podcasts. So go check all those out. And we thank you again for listening to us. And until next time... Be nice to animals. Be nice to platypodes. <laughs>
You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazingcariboustudios. Colloquially, the term platypi is also used for the plural, as you just did. But this is technically incorrect because platypus is not a Latin word. It's a Greek word, so the correct Greek, Greek per... Blah. Three, two, one. Colloquial, colloquial, oh, why did I put that word in my show notes? <laughs> Let's just say usually or, or commonly. I can commonly. do commonly without it being a <laughs> tongue twister. Okay. You need to make that a, <laughs> you, need, you need to make that a blooper one day. Colloquial, colloquial, why did I put that in my show notes? <laughs>